Again, if you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew chapter 18, as we begin reading with verse 21. While you're turning there, let me remind you, and if you're a guest with us, let me tell you, uh, our church has a high view of Scripture, and we uh, believe it's God's Word. Uh, that's one of the reasons on Sunday nights uh, I go through books of the Bible, and so we go through, uh, right now we're in the book of John, and on Wednesday night, not, not this Wednesday night, but because we have business meeting, but uh, the following week we'll continue our study in the book of Esther. Uh, we take a high view of Scripture because we believe it's God's Word, and this series is based on listening and hearing God's Word. And so in the book of Matthew, chapter 18, beginning in verse 21, we find Peter, an apostle of Jesus, asking a question, and then Jesus responding with a parable. Verse 21 of chapter 18. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. And so the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of the slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him of the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to the Lord all that had happened. And then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And the Lord moved with anger and handed him over the tortures until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Pray with me. Our Father, today as we open your word, Father, as we look at this story in this passage, we need you to guide us. Father, we need for you to convict us. And Father, we need for you to show us the way. <clears throat> in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To live a powerful Christian life, there are some principles that we need to follow. And so in the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of those principles in the Word of God to show us how we are to live. And this morning, the first principle is crucial. And the first principle is this. We must forgive others as Christ forgave us. We must forgive others as Christ forgave us. On March 27th, 2022, Will Smith 
Slap host Chris Rock across the face of the 94th Annual Academy Awards because he didn't like a joke he told. By the way, if you don't like my jokes, slap Mark. Um, A few moments later, he won an award, and so Smith apologized when he accepted the award for best actor a few moments later. Well, after that, people began to debate what should be the punishment. What should be done to Will Smith? He went on stage and slapped someone during that uh, award. And so people began to question, should the Oscar be taken away? Should he be banned? A couple of days later, Thomas Haddon Church, who, who plays the Sandman in the Spider-Man franchise, was on a podcast, and they asked him what should be done to Will Smith. Listen to what he says. He said, I think that Will Smith should be banned from the Oscars for the rest of his life. I think he should have his Academy membership stripped, but I don't think he should have the Oscar taken from him. And then listen to what he says. Smith's actions are forgivable. But it's not going to be forgivable on his terms. Not to be forgivable on his terms. Well, I would add, we cannot forgive on our terms either. Forgiveness is crucial to the Christian life. And we see this principle found throughout the Word of God. It's that important that God tells us that we are to forgive others as Christ forgave us. And so in this text, we find Peter asking Jesus a question. Verse 21, Jesus has been talking about forgiveness. And so Peter says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? Now, why did Peter say seven times? Because in the Old Testament, it said an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But in Peter's day, in Jesus' day, some of the rabbis would teach this. A good Jew could Forgive someone three times. In other words, someone, if you're good, you can forgive someone three times. Well, not four, only three. And so Peter is trying to impress Jesus. He's taking what the rabbis are saying, you can forgive somebody three times, and Peter multiplied that by two and then added one for good measure. So it's almost like, hey, Jesus, look at me. I I think we should forgive seven times. Is that right? Now, he's expecting Jesus to pat him on the back. Look what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, he's not saying, Peter, you got to do this 490 times. What Jesus is saying, Peter, you you, you have this legalistic formula. You're, You're trying to figure something out. Jesus is saying, do not put a formula on forgiveness. Do not put a limit on your forgiveness because God doesn't do that to us. And in that setting, he tells a parable. It's kind of an interesting parable at one level because he's talking about a king. Usually, Jesus doesn't do parables about kings, so this is another country. So he says in verse 23, this, this is what it compares to. A king wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he began to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children, all that he had, and repayment to be made. Jesus said, here's the story. This is a king who decided, let's find out how much money I have. And so he's settling accounts. Now, the word slave there probably is better translated. In this case, servant, maybe think of a cabinet. These are people that work for the king. And one man owed the king 100,000 gold talents. Now, how much was that? Well, the gold talent was the largest coin of that day. 
10,000 was the largest number you could express in one word. What Jesus is saying, this man owed the king an amount most people couldn't even comprehend. I mean, to give you an idea about how much, 10,000 talents, Herod the Great, when he was collecting taxes to build the temple, he collected taxes in in Judea and Samaria and and Galilee and other regions. He only raised 800 talents. The Ark of the Covenant only has 30 talents of gold. 10,000 talents was probably the amount of money and the largest bank in Rome, in Athens. So what Jesus is saying, here's a man who owed the equivalent to us of Fort Knox. Now, the punishment of that day for theft, you cut off your hand. Well, he owes him the equivalent of Fort Knox. You can imagine what he is going to happen to him. So the king is to say, well, I'll sell him. I'll sell his family. I'll get something out of it. Verse 26. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, said, have patience with me. So he's begging forgiveness. And then he says, and I will repay you everything. Okay. There's a theological word for this. Lying. It's impossible for him to repay this debt. The average wage of that day was 17 cents a day. He owed about 30, maybe $50 million. Someone has figured it up it would take 60 million days of working without vacation to pay this debt. It's impossible. So in other words, he lied. He said, I will repay it. Let me go and I'll repay it. Now you would think the king would be angry. You think the king would say, how dare you lie to me? You can't pay back this debt. That's impossible. You would think the king would have killed him on the spot. He had that authority. But this is Jesus' story. And we see this shocking graciousness of grace. The king took pity. He canceled the debt and let him go. This lying embezzler was freed. And the Lord felt compassion and released. Now, if that was the end of the story, that had been a great parable for us. This is the story you understand we are that servant. We owe a debt to God. We cannot pay back. It's impossible. Jesus is showing us who we are. We are this person with a debt we cannot pay back to God. We cannot correct what we have done. There is nothing we can do. This servant is you. This servant is me. The king is our God. Only by his grace, only by his mercy do we find forgiveness. Again, if Jesus has stopped here, it'd been a great story on forgiveness. We would rejoice understanding the grace and the mercy of God. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He continues, verse 28. But that slave, same one went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. That Greek word found meant that he went looking for him. As soon as he was forgiven, he left and he went to look for this man who owes him a hundred denarii. About $17, in other words. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. 
This man owes him $17, about 100 days labor. He could pay it back. It was, it, it was possible. And he finds the man, and he chokes him. Now, why does he choke him? Because, believe it or not, there was a law in the Roman Empire. If someone owed you money, you could choke them until blood came out of their nose. You think our laws are crazy? That was a law. So he is obeying the law in his mind. The man, if you notice, he said the same words, did the same action that he did. He fell on the ground, said the exact same sentences, same words. Forgive me. I'll pay it back. What does he do? Verse 30, he is unwilling and went and threw him into prison until he should pay back what was owed. Now, this is the catch-22 situation. I'm going to throw you into prison, and you're going to stay there until you pay back what you owe me. How is he going to pay back? He's in prison. In other words, he threw him in prison forever. He will never get out of prison for $17, although he has been, give, been forgiven for $50 million. The king finds out about it. He's furious. Verse 32, you wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? The king calls the servant. I forgave you, and you're my subject. You should forgive like I forgave. But since you didn't, he took that man and threw him in prison with the torture. This is how you treat the king? You want grace for yourself, but you won't give grace to others? You want grace and mercy for yourself, but you're going to give justice to others? Well, then I will give you justice, and I won't give you mercy. What Jesus is saying clearly here, to be part of the kingdom of God, we must forgive others. But how? I mean, how can we do this? I mean, how can, how can we forgive the thief who stole precious memories from us? How can we forgive the murderer who, who took a, take a, a loved one from us? How do we forgive that, that corporate executive who, who used us and fired us? How, how can we forgive a child who destroyed us? How can we forgive a parent who abandoned us? How can we forgive all those with the stupidity, the hatred, the bigotry, the cruelty, the greed around us? How? Well, Maybe to answer the how question, we need to first answer the why question. So this morning, let's look at the why and then look at the how. First, why should we forgive? Why should we forgive? Well, consider three truths. The first truth is this. Our sins against God are always greater than any sin against us. Our sins against God are always greater than any sins against us. No matter what anyone has ever done to you, whatever, it makes no difference. You've done worse to God. I mean, it's almost like comparing Mount Everest to a molehill. It's like comparing the Pacific Ocean to a mud puddle. Our sins nailed Jesus to the cross. No matter what anyone has ever done to me, no matter what anyone would ever do to me, it pales in comparison to what I did to Jesus. We, we love to downplay our sins, don't we? We forget the sins that we commit. We, we like to compare ourselves to mass murderers. We compare our sins to those people. Well, look at us. I'm better than they are. But God says we are to compare ourselves to Jesus. And our sins, whatever our sins are, nailed Jesus to the cross. Our sins against God are always greater than our, any sins against us. Second, second truth, we can never repay our debt to God. We can never repay our debt to God. 
You and I owe a debt to God. We nailed his son to the cross. It makes no difference if you're Billy Graham or Adolf Hitler. You cannot repay the debt. It makes no difference. Whatever you think of, it's impossible. You, you can't work enough. You can't pray enough. You can't sing enough. You cannot fast enough. You cannot give enough. It's impossible. You can say, I'm sorry for now through eternity. You can say as many Hail Marys as you want. You can give money to the church. You can go on mission trips. You can volunteer every day at the church. But it will not repay the debt you owe to God. Third, Jesus says we must forgive or we become a slave to the person we won't forgive. Did you notice this story in this parable? Because they won't forgive, they end up in prison. You, you see, when you don't forgive someone, guess what? You become a slave to that person. They keep you in a cell because you can't let go of it. I love what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis said, everyone says forgiveness is the lovely idea until they have something to forgive. When you don't forgive, you become that other person's slave. You see what happens, number one, you are consumed by the offender, aren't you? You start thinking about that person, what they did to you. You can't get it out of your mind. You become consumed by them. Then, if you're not careful what happens, then you become controlled by them. You become controlled by the offender. They consume your mind. They consume your energy. You start thinking about them. You, you keep thinking about revenge. You keep thinking, oh, I wish this would happen to that person. And what happens, they are controlling your thoughts. They're controlling your actions. They're controlling your life. And the irony is, then you conform to be them. You conform to be like the offender. It's a principle of life. What you think about, you become. If you're always thinking about the person that betrayed you, you always think about the person that hurt you and harmed you, you become like that person yourself. That's why we are to forgive. That's why we need to let go. So how? How can we forgive? Well, I think we, we learn how to forgive by understanding what forgiveness is not and what it is. I think we confuse what forgiveness is. So number one, forgiveness is not forgetting, but rather choosing not to actively remember. Forgiveness is not forgetting, but rather act, choosing not to actively remember. You can't forget things. It's impossible. You know, it's impossible to forget. You choose not to actively remember. There's a place in Death Valley. I've never been there. I've read about it. It's called Dante View. Dante View is that you get a, on a perch. You look down 200 feet to the lowest point in the continental U U.S. It's called the Blackwater. But that same point, instead of looking down, if you look up, you see 14,500 feet above, you see Mount Whitney, the highest point in continental U.S. One point in the United States, you can see the highest or the lowest point. But guess what? You cannot do both at the same time. You got to choose. You're either going to look up or you're going to look down. Same thing for forgiveness. You either choose to look up to God at the cross and forgive, or you look down away from God and choose not to forgive. The founder of the American Red Cross, Clara Barton, was once reminded of someone who harmed her in a very cruel way. And Clara Barton appeared that she didn't remember it. And her friend said, Don't you remember that? And Clara Barton said, no, I distinctly remembering forgetting it. It's a choice. Number two, 
Forgiveness is not saying what happened was right, but that God has it now. Forgiveness is not saying what happened was right, but that God has it now. Somehow we get this idea that when we forgive someone, we're saying what you did was okay. It's not okay. You hurt us. You hurt me. Forgiveness says what was done to me was wrong, but I'm going to give it to God. You see, here's the principle. If I give it to God and God forgives that person, that meant that they repented, they gave their life to Christ. But if God doesn't forgive that person, then God will judge that person. Either way, I'm okay with his response. So forgiveness is not saying what you did was right to me. Forgiveness is saying, God, I give it to you. I'll let you be the judge on this. Number three, forgiveness is not saying I don't feel the pain anymore, but I'm not holding on to the pain anymore. A little difference there. Forgiveness is not saying I don't feel the pain anymore, but I'm not holding on to the pain anymore. You see, a lot of times what we want, we want to get rid of the pain and then then I forgive. That will never happen. We need to say, I do not need to fit need, I do not feel the need to hold on to your involvement in my pain. I'm still hurting, but I'm not holding you accountable anymore. I'm still hurting, but I'm not thinking about you anymore. You see the difference? For, forgiveness is uh, forgiving someone is letting that, that person be accountable to God and you're releasing all the bitterness. That's what the writer of Hebrews was saying. You see, some people they get hurt, they nurse their pain, and then they start rehearsing their pain. But God says we are to disperse it and let him reverse it. There's a difference. About 25 years ago, I was sitting in the home of a couple. Their son was savagely beaten by four men and was murdered. I'm in the living room. We were talking about the funeral. And, and the mother said, we have forgiven the four men. And I want you to pray for them in the funeral service. This was a news story. You have to understand, someone getting beat up by four men. It was a news story. The media could not believe the parents said, we have forgiven them. Now, they were still hurting. They were still grieving. But they said, we have released it to God. At the funeral, the mother came up and spoke to everyone. And she said, I have forgiven those four men. Let's pray for them right now that they would give their life to Christ. She was still hurting. But she was not holding them accountable for her pain. Number four, forgiveness is not pardoning what they did, but being wise in how we move forward. Forgiveness is not pardoning what they did, but being wise in how we move forward. Please understand the difference. A pardon is a legal transaction that releases an offender from the consequences of their action. That's a pardon. We think forgiveness means that they don't have to suffer the consequences. That's not up to us. Only God can pardon people. Only God has that right. That's why forgiving someone doesn't mean they're exempt from jail. Forgiving someone doesn't mean they're exempt from being fired. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that they're exempt from societal punishment. All it means is we're moving forward. We lived in New Orleans. There was an auto garage that that conned us out of a lot of money. And uh, I forgave them. But guess what? I didn't take my car back. I mean, I would drive by them. Okay, God, I forgave them. Uh, Now, later on, they were arrested because they conned a lot of people, and they went to jail. Okay, it was up to God. But it was not up to me to pardon them. That was not my job. My job was to forgive and move on. Forgiveness doesn't mean you release them from the consequences. 
it means you move wisely ahead. Number five, forgiveness is not something we do automatically, but forgiveness is a choice we make. Forgiveness, it doesn't happen. You may be a Christian for many years. It doesn't happen automatically. It still is a choice. Forgiveness is the essence, the decision we make on the inside to not live in the past. Forgiveness is that conscious choice to release others from the sin so that we can be free. It doesn't change the past. It doesn't deny the pain that we're facing. It doesn't break the cycle. But what it does, it t- t- breaks the cycle of the bitterness. I mean, when Jesus says 70 times 7, he's been a little, a little sarcastic, but you understand if you did that, what he's saying is you got to make a choice over and over and over and over. We choose to forgive. It's your choice to let it go. We choose not to constantly bring the sin up to the wrongdoer over and over and over. If you forgave them, quit bringing it up. We choose not to constantly bring up their sins to other people so that other people will be mad at them. We choose to not talk about it. We choose not to constantly bring up their sins up to ourselves so that we keep reliving it over and over because we want to still be angry at that person. We choose to let it go. It is a choice of giving up our hatred and letting go of our bitterness because if you don't, it will make a difference in your life and those people around you. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he said, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And finally, number six, forgiveness is not trying harder, but rather letting Jesus work through us not working harder. I I don't think non-Christians can do this. I'll be honest with you. I don't. Forgiveness I'm talking about comes from a supernatural presence in your life. The power of Jesus. We can forgive because Jesus lives within us. Because Jesus forgave us, the Holy Spirit lives within us, and now through the Holy Spirit, I have the power to forgive. And the Bible is clear. Jesus is clear. If you're going to follow Jesus... You must forgive. You don't have a choice on that. We must forgive as God forgave us. Freely, completely, totally. That's what he tells us to do. In fact, you're never more like Jesus than when you forgive. And as a Christian, you have experienced forgiveness. That's the cause. And you forgive others. That's the effect. Because I've experienced forgiveness, I can forgive others. That's how it works. Now, you understand there's something implied here. If you cannot forgive, maybe you haven't experienced forgiveness. Maybe you're not saved. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Or maybe you have made a choice to be disobedient to God. But he says you must forgive. Have you forgiven? Most of you have seen a bell tower. You know, a large bell in, in there, and there's a rope attached to it. And in order to ring the bell, you've got to pull the rope. And, and usually every child in the area wants to pull the rope, and, and us big kids too. And so, you, you know, you pull the rope, nothing happens. You keep pulling the rope, nothing happens. And all of a sudden, you hear the bell. And now every time you pull the rope, the bell rings, and constant pulling of the rope, and constant ringing of the bell. Now, after pulling it over and over, what usually happens, you let go of the rope and the bell will keep swinging, keep making that sound. 
bell doesn't stop ringing when you stop pulling the rope. And you're walking down the road and you're still hearing that bell. Then after a while you don't hear it anymore. It slows down. And it's quiet. Forgiveness is the act of letting go of the rope. It means you've made a decision not to pull the rope any longer. A lack of forgiveness means you won't let go, that you're holding onto that rope. When you don't forgive, you're holding on that rope and you're kill, you keep pulling that rope and that bell keeps ringing. Each ring of that bell reminds you of the wrong that person did to you. Our constantly, consistently pulling that rope keeps the wrongdoing in our minds and we can't really serve Christ. But if you let go of the rope, by making a choice by your will, our emotions will still hear, still hear the bell. You will still hear that bell for a while, the pain. But if you let go of the rope, that bell will slow down, and eventually you don't hear it anymore. The question is, are you letting go of the rope? If you forgive, you need to let go. And the way to do that is by giving your life to Christ. If you're watching online and you've never given your life to Christ, that's the first step in forgiveness. And if you would text the word today at 270-398-5005, a minister will give you a call to talk to you about your decision about giving your life to Christ. By admitting that you're a sinner and believing Jesus died for you and confessing everything to him, just text that word today. Or you may be here this morning, and you've never given your life to Christ. In a few moments, we'll begin singing, and there'll be ministers at the front. Just come to the front and talk to one of us, one of us about giving your life to Christ. Or it may be you're a believer, but you won't forgive somebody. Today, privately or publicly, you need to let go of the rope. And remember, as God forgave me, I will forgive others. Will you stand by your heads? Father in heaven, humanly speaking, this is one of the hardest things you've ever asked us to do, to forgive. But yet, Father, at the same time, when we realize that you forgave us the sin that we've committed against you, and our sins nailed Jesus to the cross, and you forgave us, how can we not forgive others? No matter what they've done to us or our family or our church, no matter what they've done to society, whatever it may be, Father, how can we not forgive? Speak to us now, Father, through your Holy Spirit and convict us. In Jesus' name, amen.